it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather, and Dave Ahern, to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 39. Andrew and I are going to respond to a email that Andrew got asking us some questions. So today we're going to talk a little bit about some of his questions, go in depth and answer those for him. So without any further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Andrew and he's going to take us through some of the questions. Thanks, Dave. Okay, this is from Kurt. Kurt says, Hi, Andrew. I recently, less than two weeks ago, came across your podcast and found it so useful and informative that I went back to the beginning and been in the process of binge listening my way through the list of 30-some episodes. Which, by the way, I say that I highly recommend doing that. I remember when I first started listening to podcasts, I totally went through archives of the ones I liked, and it's a great way to you know get knowledge and get acclimated with what's going on with these topics of these podcasts. So continuing to read on with the email. Prior to discovering the Investing for Beginners podcast, I loaded Robinhood on my phone and began thinking about which stock or fund to purchase. I'm glad I found you when I did. I still don't have a clue which will be my first purchase, but I now understand that my original selection would have been based on greed for something that is likely overpriced or has other indicators of a poor investment. Sidebar again. That's very insightful and good job there, Kurt, at recognizing that. And potentially, you know, you probably saved yourself thousands of dollars in losses and pain by stumbling onto this resource and really taking it to heart and picking it up really quickly. So that's great. Back to the email. Uh, Kurt says, so I set up my account with Ally and will keep reading and doing company research. I hope to make my first of many regular monthly investments around Thanksgiving possibly sooner if something happens to cause the market to dip. Thanks again for educating beginners like me to save us from ourselves. You're welcome. Very well put. I'm finding this to be fun and refreshing after 20-some years of dealing with mutual fund and annuity managers who offer little help and don't have a clue on how to be an intelligent investor. Now to the questions. Do they... So he's talking about Allies 495 um, trading fee. 
he asks, do they charge both buying and selling or one or the other? So some of these are just going to rapid fire. Uh, Dave, I know you know the answer. That would be yes. Yes. So you get on uh, fee on the buy, fee on the sell. How much does the investment need to appreciate before one makes that back? Uh, I mean, that's going to depend on how much you're putting in. So uh, I believe we've talked about it before, but on $150 a month, um, that's anywhere from 1% to 3% of a loss like right off the bat. If you're going to invest more than that, obviously making four ninety five back isn't that big of a deal. That's a big reason why I always talk about, you know, try to have at the bare minimum $150 to invest so you're not losing 5, 10, 15% straight off the bat just off a transaction fee. Uh, when you, when you talk about a thousand dollars or more, it, that four ninety five is really un, unsubstantial and, you know, you don't have to make, you don't really have to worry about it. You don't have to wait a long time to, to make that up. And even in the grand scheme of things, I mean, you're going to see stocks go up and down. You could see them go up a percent, down a percent, sometimes more than that, sometimes in the, in the decimal ranges. And so you don't want to get into that mindset too much of like, oh, well, I got to make this 495 back right away. Understand that over the course of a year, over the course of 365 days, however many trading days are in there, the the stock's going to fluctuate and you're going to see it go up and down by, depending on how much you put in, it could be anywhere from a couple bucks, a couple cents. You could see 10, 15, 20, 25, you know, $100 just gain and loss within a day. So these are all things that happen as the market fluctuates. So try not to fixate on that but at the same time understand that yes it does make an impact on your returns so make sure you are trying to invest as much as you can and at the bare minimum try to do like 150 dollars per trade back to the questions he asks what are other real costs of trading such as taxes this this could be a great this is this is a great uh topic all on its own so i think we should talk about this dave because we haven't really covered like capital gains taxes and i don't it, it's something no, that's so we, basic and, and to me i i love getting this question because to me i've been doing this for five years plus and so these type of details is so intuitive to me and to me it feels like two plus two equals four but i know that uh, as a beginner, you, you're taking this all in and it's all brand new to you. So there's a lot of different rules and, and different kind of tricks that you can do to, to really help your, your returns and, and help your capital grow. And obviously avoiding taxes or, you know, we're not saying an Ill illegal way, but kind of crafting the tax code to work beneficially for you is definitely a big part of investing. Obviously rich people know how to shield their money from the government if you want to put it in that in those terms so let's talk about taxes real quick um capital gains taxes there's long term and short term first dave why don't you go over like how can we avoid taxes as an investor by never selling <laughs> <laughs> that's true i mean honestly like you know people talk about buffett and stuff and uh i i think he's talked about that before where you know that that 
that's one of the best ways to, to have a tax shelter is to never sell. Yes. And that's actually what I kind of try to practice. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's not only are there performance gains from doing that, but obviously the tax implications, but you know, you started your site as IRA for beginners.com. IRAs are a fantastic way to limit the impact of capital gains taxes. So break those down for us and, and how they relate to like the tax uh, dilemma. Well, I guess the, the easiest way in, in kind of the simplest terms, when you think about the different kinds of accounts that you can, you can open. And when I'm talking about accounts, I'm talking about IRAs. So when you look at either a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, it has implications on whether that money is taxed up front or whether it's going to be taxed on the back end. And so when you look at an, a Roth IRA, for example, let's say that you have $100 that you're taking out of your paycheck and you're depositing that into a Roth IRA to invest for your future. That $100 has already been taxed by the government. So Uncle Sam, at the end of, let's say, you know, that grows to $1,000 someday, which would be awesome. When you take that money out, you are not going to be taxed on that money because you've already paid your taxes on that $100. So the only tax implication you would have would be on the investment itself, on the gains in the investment. But with the traditional, the traditional is not taxed. So that is going to be money that is going, so there's, with the traditional, there's kind of two, not benefits, I guess you could say benefits. There are, when that money is, the $100 is taken out of your paycheck and is put in your traditional IRA, that reduces your taxable income by $100 so that on that particular paycheck and when you do your taxes at the end of the year, that money is $100 less. So in theory, you're paying Uncle Sam a little bit less money at that time. However, when you put that $100 in that traditional IRA and you go to take that money out, you're going to be taxed on that money 30, 40, 50 years down the road. So it really kind of depends on how you want to do it. There's a lot of different trains, uh, schools of thought on how you should handle IRAs. And we've talked a little bit about that in the past. And I've written some articles about that as well to go more in depth on that. The, I guess the quick and dirty, easy way to think about it is if you're younger, it's probably a better way to go by going the traditional route because you're going to have all those decades of time to earn all that money that you're not going to have to pay taxes on when you quote unquote graduate and you know you get done with working and you get to retire and sit on that beach you don't have to pay taxes on those monies but the flip side of that you know and the other advantage and this is what the school of thought is with the people that go with the Roth route is that we don't know what the tax rate's going to be 30, 40, 50 years from now. Heck, we don't even know what it's going to be two years from now because right now they're having a lot of discussion about changing our tax code. So these all have big implications on what our money is going to be. The flip side of that is with the traditional is that you know you are reducing your taxable income now, but you're taking the chance that you'll be in a lower tax bracket 
50 years from now and you'll have to pay less taxes on that. So there are a lot of ins and outs on that and I'm very much simplifying this. And if this is something that you're serious about learning more about, I would strongly encourage you to talk to an accountant that would be able to give you, you know, tax advice. I am, I'll say this right now. I am not a tax accountant and I am not licensed to, to talk to you about that specifically, but I can give you the, the overview of how it works so that they can kind of help you go a little bit farther into that. Now, Andrew is much more versed in the capital gains than I am. I'll be honest with you on that. And I know he can speak a lot more intelligently about that than I can. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Yeah, so I mean, there's not going to be... Obviously, they have these tax vehicles for when you want to retire. So we talked about the IRAs. Uh, keep in mind that you know an IRA is the same as having like a checking account in the sense that you know you can go to a bank open the checkings open the savings you can go to another bank open another checking there you can open an IRA um at you know we we like to use TradeKeen that's now called Ally I know I use that personally uh, I've also have an IRA with Merrill Edge um one that I opened years ago 
So you, you can have these IRAs with multiple brokerage companies and it's no different than having separate checking accounts. When you talk about things like 401ks, which tend to be tied to like the company you work for, um, a lot of times, you know, you have that account separate and then when you leave the company, then you can roll that into an IRA. Um, and that, that becomes another account you can have. So uh, something that you should definitely think about if you're using an IRA is obviously realize that this is money that's going to not be touched until you retire or else you're going to pay huge penalties. So, I mean, there's no like magical tax shelter that's going to let you cheat taxes this year and completely be able to spend that money this year and, and just not pay taxes. It's just not going to happen. Um, this is one of the government's ways of really incentivizing people's investments and the savings rate and all those sorts of things. But also understand that there are like contribution limits to how much you can put in. And that's across all IRAs that you might own. So per year they cap it and it's going to be different depending on how much you make, what your income is. So try to look that up. You know, this is obviously disclaimers for the absolute beginners, but be aware of that. And then that should kind of help you make a decision on what kind of an account you want to buy as well. Not buy, but sign up for. So when you talk about long-term versus short-term capital gains, pretty much when you sell a stock, the government's going to want whatever you made from that. They're going to want a piece of that. Now, there's a short-term and a long-term. So the way they define that is a short-term capital gains tax means any stock that you've held for, I believe it's like a year, you know, I don't know what the exact, if it's 365 or, or if it's 364 days. So if you've held a stock for a year or less, that's short-term capital gains tax. If you've held a stock for more than a year, and I believe it's like right when you get to 366 days, then it becomes a long-term capital gains tax. So, you know, say it's November now, 2017, I buy a stock today. If I sell it next week, it's a short-term capital gains tax. If I sell it, let's say December 2018, then now it's a long-term capital gains tax. So again, another reason to hold for the long-term, your taxes are going to be better. Now, the difference between the short-term and the long-term capital gains tax, it could be pretty huge, especially the wealthier you are. So a long-term capital gains tax is going to be taxed at your ordinary income bracket. So, I mean, you know, you could, I don't know what your personal situation is. Maybe you're in the 25%, 35%, 39.6% income tax bracket. That's what you're going to pay as a tax. And that's, that's pretty huge, right? I mean, say you got a stock that doubled and you, you made like 10 grand, well, you know, almost five grand of that's going to the government. That obviously sucks, but that's kind of how it is. And one way to kind of get around that is like what Dave was talking about with the Roth IRA, where because you already paid tax on that, when you sell that stock, you don't have to pay that capital gains tax. So you make a stock that doubled and you made five grand, you keep that five grand. And as long as you withdraw it when you retire, that's your money. Now, um, for the long-term capital gains tax rate, uh, they, they have different ones and this is as of this recording 2017, they've been known to change it. But right now, if you're in the 25 to 35% tax bracket, 
you're going to pay 15%. And if you're in the highest tax bracket, you're going to pay 20%. So it's still a lot cheaper than, than paying at the ordinary tax rate. And something also to consider is, let's say you sold a stock, say you sold two stocks, right? You made a thousand with one and you lost like 500 with the other. Well, you're not going to pay taxes on the ones you lost. And the one you lost is going to credit towards the one you gained. So in reality, you only made 500 by gaining 500, losing 500. I mean, gaining a thousand, losing 500. So you're only going to pay tax at the end of the year, uh, based off 500. So that's why sometimes you'll hear on the financial media, they'll talk about like at the end of the year, which we're, we're coming up on now. We'll talk about people tax harvesting and basically selling positions that are down in order to lower their tax load. And don't get me started on like how stupid that is. Like to lose money on purpose so that you can pay less taxes is absolutely the most ass backwards thing you could do. (laughs) But just understand that that's the way taxes work and there's no magical way to get around paying taxes. So you can understand why that's such a huge issue in politics is because yeah there's such a potential to make money in the stock market and then when you realize like how much of it goes to the government it can be really disheartening at the beginning but that's uh, another reason why when i talk about my e-letter and i talk about the real money portfolio and this is the one that we're putting 150 dollars a month in that's in a roth ira so i'm actually the way I segment it is I have these trailing stops. And so I'm actually selling positions maybe more frequently than your average buy and hold investor. And a big reason, you know, something that to keep in mind is if you're not following along with a Roth IRA, you might be paying capital gains taxes on top of that. So it might not be as profitable for you, but because I'm in a Roth IRA, I understand that I don't have to pay capital gains taxes because they took the money up front. And so that's, puts me in a position to really move through my positions as I like and and really compound money at a much faster rate, assuming that I'm making good stock picks and taking those, those cells and, and putting them into bigger and bigger positions. So these are all things to keep in mind. Maybe it changes your strategy in, in the sense that if you're in a traditional, maybe you're buying you're going to be more buy and hold than a portfolio that's a Roth because the traditional will have capital gains taxes. Um, which I believe that's when you're, when you take it out, right. Is when they'll, when they'll take those capital gains taxes, they're not gonna, they won't charge you like this year or whatever. No, Um, no, it's only, it's only when you make a withdrawal. Right. Okay. So, I mean, but it's, it still might change your strategy a bit because, knowing that you have to pay those taxes as you know i might be wrong <laughs> there, there might not be any capital gains taxes on just retirements in general right because they're only they they might only tax you on the withdrawal amount and not not so much like letting all the t- capital gains taxes accumulate i don't think they would let them accumulate it would be just based on whenever you make a withdrawal from the account. Right. So like, let's say you withdrew a hundred thousand, they would do whatever the withdrawal taxes. Yes. So yeah, I mean, there, there you go right there. Like the capital gains taxes aren't going to be applicable in a, in a retirement account. But if you have just a regular brokerage account where it's not an IRA or not a 401k, you're going to be looking at 
capital gains taxes that you're going to have to pay that year. Yes. So huge differences actually, as far as having these tax shelters and seeing big differences in how much you're going to pay in taxes every year. Hey you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. Yeah, for sure. And you know, Another thing to keep in mind with the IRA and the Roth, or I'm sorry, the traditional and the Roth, a lot of people will refer to an IRA as just a traditional, so forgive me if I slip on, up on terms there for a moment. The There are some exceptions that allow you to take the money out of the uh, traditional without paying a penalty, uh, and those are typically things like buying a house for the first time or uh, education expenses. They will allow you to withdraw the money without having to pay any penalties for those. The Roth, uh, you have a five-year window that you have to keep the money in, and then after that, you can withdraw it at any time without any penalty on the money. So, you know, the government has set them up such that there are some different restrictions that they're trying to help people help themselves, (laughs) And, you know, save save the money and, and keep the money in there. Uh, when Andrew was talking about the 401ks, the 401ks are kind of set up similarly in that you have a choice whether you want to choose to have your uh, investments put in either a traditional or a Roth. And you can split them, too. You can do 50-50. You can do 75-25. It really kind of depends on what your long-term strategy is with your plan for retirement and you know when you work for for a big company and they're matching uh if you are not taking advantage of that you need to be slapped because that's free money that you're not taking advantage of uh when i work for wells fargo they man they matched at six percent so you bet your butt that i was <laughs> you know investing at least six percent every paycheck uh, and they were matching it so that was a nice little perk and you know so there's you know, there's advantage to to doing both of these, but, you know, definitely want to look at however you want to set it up. And, you know, when you're talking about 401ks, when you stop working for that company, one of the things that you want to investigate when you leave the company, some companies will charge you a fee. Sometimes it's monthly, sometimes it's annually to hold your money for you. Because if you're not working for them, then obviously there's no perk and there's no advantage, you know, to keep you having your money invested with a company. And some companies will charge you a fee to keep your money in their account. And so that's something you definitely want to research. And you can roll them away from the company into another brokerage account wherever you want. And uh, I would strongly encourage you to do that. If you, you know, if you work for a company for five years and you got $14,000 in that IRA, uh, or I'm sorry, the 401k, I would strongly encourage you to roll that away from that company so that you keep track of your money. Uh, I've heard horror stories when I was working at the bank of people that would, you know, their spouse would pass away and they would all of a sudden start finding, you know, 401ks that were at a company they worked at 32 years ago and they didn't know anything about it. They weren't a beneficiary on it. It just was kind of forgotten. And, you know, in some cases it was a fair, fair amount of money and it was, you know, a very, very expensive, very, very complicated process to try to get that money to the person that it deserved to go to. But, 
because there was nothing set up ahead of time. The person that passed away forgot about it, didn't do anything about it, neglected it, whatever it may be. It becomes a very, very complicated problem. So um, I could go on and on and on about some of those kinds of stories that I've heard and seen and had to deal with in my time. And so I would encourage you if you have any of those kinds of things to not just neglect it or think I'll get to it another day. Deal with it now. Set it up. Make sure that you have it where you have control over it. And also make sure that they're not charging you money because that's money that's coming out of your pocket. You earned it. You know, you saved it. And now they're taking it away because you just left it there. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox on that. Sorry. <laughs> I could have sworn, man. Like, I just moved recently. Uh, a couple times actually uh, and I got something in the mail from my broker that was saying like if you don't confirm a change of address or something then you're f- you're gonna forfeit your account or something it was really, really? Like, a wow. scary thing to read and I was like um, yeah I'm logging in right this second and making yeah. sure my address <laughs> is up to date because they said something about like abandoning an account if I don't know if, if they don't hear anything from you or yeah. s- you don't get I don't know if it was like a mail back or uh, uh, you know something on their system it's really strange so yeah be careful out there right yep 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 definitely be careful i mean when i left when i left wells um that was one of the first um questions i asked them i called i called the uh hr department and asked them you know is there going to be any sort of fees because i tried reading through the prospectus and you know that's you know that's lots of fun let me tell you and uh you know i tried reading through that to find out if there were any sort of fees that they charge and i couldn't find anything so then i called some of the people in the company and um a few of them i had to talk to I had no idea what i was talking about so i had to go back to talk to my financial advisor that i work with at the branch and he told me yeah they don't charge anything so i left it there for a little while until i got figured out what i wanted to do with it and then i rolled it into another ira so it's actually very very easy to do what's nice about that too is like like you said every company can kind of be different whereas Mm -hmm. if you have an ira you know it's universal yep it's like oh well i've already had an ira with this broker i already know what their fees are i don't have to learn and go through the whole roundabout that you had to call in right yeah exactly on, on the west coast or whatever yeah, the, the last little tidbit I wanted to, to talk about with IRAs is uh, Andrew and I focus a lot on brokerage accounts because of investing, and that's that's our focus. But you can open IRAs in a bank. You can go to whoever you bank with, and they should offer IRAs, whether it's a, a Roth or a traditional, and you can do them in a savings account or you can do them in CDs. Now, the interest rates on both of those are quite poor. And, you know, if that's really a route you want to go, then there is that option. It's safe. It's secure. It's uh, FDIC insured up to $250,000 if you're with a a bank. Uh, credit unions, I think, have different rules. But if you're with Bank of America, for example, you know, that, you know, any accounts that you have are insured up to $250,000 with the FDIC, which is nice. And it's safe and it's secure, but you're also not going to make diddly do. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Good point. Yeah. All right. I think we've, right. let's move on. So he talked about taxes. He says, if I sell some shares of a company that I've been investing in over a period of time, am I selling the first shares I purchased or the last? I'm not sure if I understand what he's trying to ask. I think what he's trying to ask is if you buy, Let's say you buy 10 shares, 10 shares, 10 shares, 10 shares, 10 shares. When you go to sell, are they selling 
are they selling the first 10 shares that you bought for $10 or are they selling the last, you know, 10 shares that you bought for $40? It doesn't matter. (laughs) No, I know it's, it's, it's not not first in first out. Right. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's like those shares, it's like, uh, it's an account balance. So if you if your account is worth $500 and you sell 20 shares, then it's going to be, you know, what, $25. Right. Right. Okay. So yeah, I mean, and the market's going to dictate what those shares are worth. It's not going to be what your opportunity cost was. Right. Okay. Thank you. You helped me out of that one. You're welcome. <laughs> Does it matter for taxes, net gain? No. Um, if you use those funds to purchase another stock right away, you still have to pay the net gain taxes on the previous sale, I assume. Yes. So we're uh, this th- we're talking about like if you have a brokerage account so obviously try to get into those IRAs and 401k's and and use those contribution limits as much as you can if you have money on top of that you're and you want to invest you might be looking at like an individual brokerage account and at that point in time you're going to be looking at capital gains taxes so in this example he's talking about I'm going to just take those funds, roll them over to a new, to a new stock. So can I kind of get out of taxes that way? And then unfortunately you can't do that. Like, yes, you can take the money and you could purchase a new stock, but you're going to have to have money set aside for when your tax bill comes around next April. So, I mean, it's probably a better idea to take that money and kind of deduct what you made already and then take the rest of it and, and throw that into the account it's it's kind of the same as running the business and if you're not you know if if you're not paying taxes on every single piece of income like a paycheck you know people's w-2s they get those deducted automatically but if you're a small business owner sole proprietor anything like that you might not be automatically withdrawing from every single sale every single piece of revenue so you really it's a good idea to have some sort of savings and and really be tracking that because when tax season comes around, you're going to be left with that bill. And and trust me, you don't want to have the IRS. They're the last people you want to be chasing you for money. Yeah. No kidding. Not that I know from experience yet, but (laughs) this is just what I hear. Yeah. Uh, I had a tax bill and I definitely, that was on the priority number one. Yeah. Yep. So next question uh, kind of transitioning into to brokers now. So th- these are all great questions, by the way, Kurt. If I were to switch brokers at some point, do my stocks go with me or can I have them transferred to another broker or will they forever be handled with the broker I used initially? Dave? Uh, if you switch, they got to go with you. So <clears throat> you can, if it's in a, let's say it's in a Roth IRA with broker A, you can roll it into broker B. Um, and depends on the brokerage. Some brokerages could do it for you. Other ones, you'll have to go to broker A and sell the shares, or I'm sorry, not sell the shares. You'll have to go to them and request a rollover, and they can do the rollover for you. That's all I had to do. I had to go back to my original one, and it's a lot of back and forth. But you know, don't mm-hmm. be lazy with this stuff. This is this is thousands of dollars. It's definitely mm-hmm. worth the couple hours on the phone that it takes to get this done. So, yep. Yeah, like you said, it's going to depend, but um, some of them are pretty seamless. Yep. 
Next question. For instance, if I was one of the millennials that used Robinhood to purchase several hundred <laughs> dollars of Snap, and he puts in parentheses, which I'm not. Good job. And then listened to your show and wanted to move it to Ally to manage my shares with one broker. Take that cash and purchase new shares with the second. Oh, sorry, I completely misread that. Skip the line. <laughs> So if if he listened to our show, he purchased Snap and wanted to move it to Ally to manage my Snap shares along with my other more intelligent investments. Is that possible? Or do I need to sell my shares with one broker, take that cash and purchase new shares with the second broker? Yes. <laughs> so if you, you can roll over, you can, like I said before, you can roll over shares you had in another company to another account. But then if you want to purchase other shares of that particular company you have to purchase them separately so you can't um you can't merge accounts so basically like if it's in an individual brokerage account you're gonna have to pay that capital gains tax to sell it so you can't get it transferred in that sense right exactly and also with if it's in a roth ira you have to roll it into a separate roth ira and then purchase shares into that account you can't merge the accounts yeah i believe they have to like you said it has to be like a a dollar balance they call i can't remember what they call them it's it's like a they call it some stupid share thing or they they make like a quantity of it but basically it's equivalent to each one you have is a dollar right yep Um, okay here's a great topic does it ever make sense to use a fee-less broker like Robinhood to purchase stocks? I'm going to say no. <laughs> Why? Why? I think so my reason for not using them is they actually it's not fee-less. And now he put it he put that in parentheses. Uh Robinhood does have some opportunities to make money. Um, yes, they do not charge you to open an account. Yes, they do not charge you to trade. Uh, and uh, let me rephrase that. They do not charge you to buy a stock. However, when you, so he, he asked later another question, how are they able to offer a fee system? How do they make a profit? Well, I'm going to tell you how they make a profit. And disclaimer they, real quick, we don't, neither of us use Robinhood, but this is all. We do not know. This is commonly no. in a lot of investors have reported back about this. So yeah, exactly. So Robinhood has several streams of revenue. The first one is that they earn interest off of any unused cash in your account. So let's say you open an account with a thousand dollars and you buy five hundred dollars of whatever it is that you want to buy. If you have that five hundred dollars just sitting there for years and years and years and years. Robinhood is going to be making interest off of that money that they get to keep. You do not. Uh, this is part of their contract, and they are legally allowed to do this. It's at whatever the Fed, Fed fund rate is at that time, which I think hovers around 2 to 3%. So it's not huge money, but if you got a million people leaving $500 in their account and they're earning interest off that, that's a lot of money. The other ways that they earn inter- or that they earn money is there is there have been quite a few angel investors that have bought into Robinhood as an investment. And the last I read it was up to 16 million dollars has been invested into the company to invest in the app. 
another reason why I do not like Robinhood was I personally have never used it, but I had a coworker that used it for a while. And it is an app only on your phone. It is not an app you can use or they do not have a website you can go to on your computer and do research and things like that. So the research tools that they have available to you are limited. So it's not as robust as Ally would be, for example. The other source of revenue that they have is they you when you sell a stock by the F, F, eh, sorry the SEC and FINRA rules. These are the institutions that govern the trading, buying, and, tr- and selling of stocks. They have a, a law that requires that they have to take money from the investor whenever they sell a stock. Now, granted, it's a very very small uh, fraction. Was twenty three dollars and ten cents off every one million dollars of trading. So if you sell your hundred dollars of Microsoft, you're, it's not going to be much. But again, when you have a million or more users selling, buying, and selling stocks, it can become extremely expensive very, very quickly. And so that's a big reason why that they. Uh, they don't make money or that, I'm sorry, that's how they make money off of this service. And another reason why I'm not a big fan of Robinhood was that my, as my friend said, it's like Facebook and you can go there, you can swipe right and you can buy a stock. It's just, it's too easy. <laughs> Imagine your little, your little girl getting the hold of your phone. And, Oops, oh, sorry, daddy, I oh yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry, I bought Tesla. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh God, <laughs> what has happened? <laughs> <laughs> be I feel horrible. like uh, you know, drunk trading would be, <laughs> yeah, like a whole, like a whole on the peak, like way more so than regular drunk trading on a regular broker. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so you know, I guess to answer Kurt's question, it's not feeless. There are they are making money. You know, there's just no way any company would ever do something like that and not make money. So, uh, does it cost you? Not necessarily, but it, you know, if you're, you know, they're making money off you not using your money to invest in the market. So that's why when you, you know, when you invest, you should try to invest as much of that money as you possibly can. Disclaimer, there's also been some reports that um, the sell button disappears temporarily. I don't know if that's like an <laughs> app glitch or what that is. Um, there's also been a report that there's a maximum deposit of $50,000 per day. I don't know what that's all about. And they are moving towards margin accounts now. So that's going to be a obvious obvious big potential revenue stream for them to be able to charge the kind of fees that come along with margin accounts and margin calls and and borrowing and buying stocks by borrowing and obviously charging interest on that so that's something to watch in the future yes you can buy stocks now with no fees but like dave talked about there are other ways that they are getting paid and you are participating in that personally i like ally just because like you said the whole obviously being able to do that on the computer is nice also robin hood's limited um not to say that i'm not buying u.s stocks but from what i can see from their website it looks like it's just really u.s equities at this time 
Uh, I don't see options to to buy internationally. Maybe that's different for if they are in other countries, but something to keep in mind as well. And, you know, it's just kind of like that thing. There's no such thing as a free lunch. You, you have to be skeptical of something that kind of masquerades as being free. And I think that maybe the biggest thing, and I forgot to mention this, but obviously this is huge for the way that we love to invest is you can't do a drip on it. You cannot automatically mm-hmm. reinvest your dividends on any of these positions. And so just based off that, that would turn me off to the company. I had never in the past really thought about looking at them much. And obviously I'm very happy with Ally. Um, it, it is great to see different competitors come up. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to really force the brokerage industry to kind of look at itself and say, okay, we got to be honest and we got to uh, at a race to, to make these kind of services affordable. It's, it's better for the consumers, obviously, and the people who use them like us. Um, but th- these are some of the pros and cons to keep in mind when it comes to Robinhood. And I don't even know if they do retirement accounts or not. Um, that was something I didn't look into, but uh, obviously they, they are making money. And it looks like they are kind of going that route of being the popular and, and collecting users and, and going to find a way to monetize it at the end. And, you know, if these founders are making uh, money from venture capitalists and they don't really have to worry about turning a profit at the end of the day. No, <laughs> it could be like a lot of the other stocks that we talk about, which are terrible. They could be great companies, but terrible investments. So, yep. Those are hopefully that answers all of Kurt's questions. Um, those make up the majority of them. I'm glad he brought them up. I think again, these are going to be a lot of things that people who are first starting out are going to come across and, and they're going to be questions. And obviously the more questions that we can resolve, the, the simpler that the whole process becomes. And so I hope this is a valuable resource and lesson and maybe something to listen to again and like he said in the email, you know, go back through the archives and, and kind of binge listen and, and gain as much knowledge as you can. I think it's a very smart thing to do and it's a great way to learn different topics and passions and techniques. And obviously investing falls into that very nicely. Yep, exactly. And you know, I, I think the, the last little thing that I wanted to kind of tag on with what Andrew was saying was knowledge is power. The more you know, the more you can do, the better you can do. And, you know, as you know, you continue to listen to what Andrew and I are trying to help everybody with, you know, hopefully we can help you grow as an investor. And, you know, I know every day that I sit down and I read through the different blogs and the books and magazines and the articles that I read through I'm just, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to absorb everything as much as I can every single day. And, you know, I approach this as an opportunity to learn something new every day. And I do. And that's what, you know, keeps me excited and energized and juiced about all this. It's, you know, it's just an endlessly fascinating topic to me. And, you know, I, I enjoy talking with Andrew about it and I enjoy talking to you guys about it. And it will, you know, I guarantee you, the more that you study this, the more you absorb it, it will become easier and easier and easier for you. You know, it's just, it's baby steps. You just got to keep doing it. You know, as my grandmother used to say to me when I was younger, you know, water dripping on a stone eventually makes an impression. So, you know, just keep at it. Don't get discouraged and just keep at it. I love it. 
All right. Well, I guess that's going to that's going to wrap it up for us for tonight. I hope you enjoyed our conversation uh, answering the questions that Kurt sent us. Thank you, Kurt, for sending those to Andrew. Those were great questions, uh, very intelligent and very well thought out. And I hope we answered all those for you. And we talked a little bit about IRAs. We talked a little bit about brokerages and yeah, capital gains taxes and taxes are a very important thing to think about. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys have a great week and we will talk to you guys next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 